Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you're here today. Uh, we welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and uh, hope that God's going to bless you in a very special way as we uh, worship God together this morning. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets. We would like to ask if you would to uh, take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us. And if you would do that, we would certainly appreciate that. Just check the appropriate box, put your name and address and phone number on there. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, put your email address on there and, and uh, we'll be, put you on that list. It's a great way to keep up with the uh, activities here at Community Baptist Church. We had a wonderful breakfast this morning provided by the men of our church, so thank you for that. Uh, you did a great job, and, uh, and of course, yeah, we, I think I heard somebody trying to applaud there, so thank you so much. <laughs> Just a little applause there. Uh, but a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, next Sunday, I will not be here the next Sunday, but Angie Humphreys will be uh, preaching. Angie Humphreys is a longtime TV personality and uh, an ordained minister, and as of this week, she is hosting the uh, WEHT's uh, local lifestyle show, and um, she will be here on Sunday as our guest preacher. I will not be here this one Sunday, nor the next Sunday, and uh, Mary Rye will be filling, filling in, and everybody knows Mary. She's a wonderful preacher, and uh, we'll, I know that I won't be here, but that's something for y'all to look forward to, and I'll listen to it online after they uh, have this service. Let me also to remind you uh, of our extreme build. There's a sign-up sheet on the table as you leave. If you would like to be a part of this, uh, please sign up. We went ahead and made some reservations this past week for rooms, and we need to get that uh, uh, settled as to how many rooms we're going to be having and how many people will be going. The only expense that you will have is your lodging. Everything else will be taken care of, and uh, you can go for part of the week or the whole week. It begins on June the 12th uh, through uh, the, ne the next Saturday, the 18th, and uh, please sign up, and uh, we'll get you registered and get a room reserved for you. Uh, so we, if you could do that very quickly, we'd appreciate that. And let's see, today, there's something going on today. What is that? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> of course, Wyatt said that. It's Mother's Day. It is Mother's Day, and uh, it's a great day to celebrate, and we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our, our mothers and mother figures. Uh, words are not enough to say thank you um, to all, all of our mothers and those uh, who serve as mother figures for us. You are a godsend to each of us. And we are grateful for you. In fact, we are so grateful for you that we have a special treat for you this morning. Uh, Jake, hit it. Baby mama's mama's. If you've ever changed a diaper, okay. kissed a boo-boo, okay. or made a sack lunch, what? this one's for you. We run this. Let's go. Straight out of Walmart. I'm a mama with an attitude. Stirring up the sweet tea with the ice cube. Whipping in the kitchen so you know we be grubbing. Gotta stay fresh, whole house. Got the plug in, dinner on the stove. Cookies in the oven. Hands off the food till it's done. I ain't bluffing. Hugs. Kisses, pop, syrup, mix it better. When my kids get sick, I'm 
Moms, you put up, put up with an awful lot, and uh, we want to say thank you for that. You are very special to us, and we are grateful for each of you. Let us stand now and let us sing our, our opening hymn, Sweet, Sweet Spirit. And there is a sweet, sweet spirit in this place.
pray with me? Loving God and parent of all, we are grateful today to gather as children birthed in your image, blessed offspring of your creation. As a mother hen gathers her brood under her wing, we join today to hear your teachings and to experience your love. We give you thanks for empowering us to have a childlike faith. Teach us to have compassion in our human relationships. Teach us to forgive those who hurt us. Teach us to share with all of your children and to play with imagination and courage. We thank you indeed for the women among us and around us in whom you have gifted the privilege and the challenge of being mothers and mother figures. Especially we thank you this day for all mothers everywhere. Strengthen them in the ways that they raise their children. Grant them wisdom for the lessons that they teach. Discernment in the ways they discipline. And may others grant them the thanks and the honor that they deserve. We thank you for grandmothers and sisters and aunts and teachers and Sunday school teachers and adult mentors, big sisters, and anyone, everywhere who plays a motherly role in the life of another boy or girl or adult. Grant them the ability to model the example of Christ for all within their influence, that they might share the love that you have and that you have so freely shown to us all. We pause to remember those for whom Mother's Day may be a source of discomfort, perhaps even anxiety and pain, for those whose mother may have died. We pray that you would grant your peace and comfort. May they give thanks for their mother's lasting influence. For those who perhaps would like to be a mother, but for whatever reason or not, Give them your special care and love and grant them your assurance that they are not alone, neither are they without ability to make a lasting impact on the world. And for those for whose experience with their own mothers may have brought pain, remorse, or guilt, grant the power for healing and forgiveness. Remind us, O God, of the wrongs that we have done to each other, But remind us also of the power that we have in your name to bridge even the deepest divides. For all these things, we give you thanks, O God, who is a loving father and mother to us all. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Please please remain standing for the song, Come Christians, Join to Sing. I always sing better when we're standing.
Good morning, boys and girls. Come on down. You're going to learn something new about today. So we've already heard it's Mother's Day, right, today? What else is it today? I'll give you a hint. What is this? Yeah, but I don't have any on, so it's National No Sock Day. You didn't know that, did you? Oh, how about that? You learned something new at church. It's also National Iris Day. It's also World Red Cross Day today. But we're here to really appreciate and give thanks to our, our moms today. So I brought some things to show and tell about my mom and about my life, and I want to hear a little bit about your moms and are the ones that maybe are playing the role of mom in your life. So look here at these. Do you believe once upon a time I wore these? Look at that. Look at the difference of that. That's huge. I couldn't even get my thumb in there now. And look at here. I, I pulled that out of a trunk this morning. That once upon a time, yes, was my hand in kindergarten. That would have been about 1960-ish. Way before your parents were even born. <laughs> All right. Um, so my mom's name is Martha. Martha Gibson, she's 83. She's still living. Um, this is her picture right here. This is her and me right here. And what does this say? Who, who can read? What does that say on the front of that book? Our mother's what? Our favorite dessert recipes. Favorite dessert recipes. That's exactly right. I come from a long line of bakers who love sugar. So I had promised my family a cookbook for years and finally back in 2011 we put together a cookbook of all the recipes that were great in my family so that everybody not only my brothers and sisters but my cousins and everybody else can enjoy recipes from our mom my grandmother's on here Ernestine Seitz my great-grandmother Virgie Hoover's on here and some of her recipes are in here so, what did I learn from my mom? She was a great teacher. She was an encourager. My parents always told me, Greg, you can do and be whatever you want to be in life. And that meant a whole lot to me, even as an adult, uh, hearing that from my parents. And I'm sure your parents tell you some things like that as well. Um, what are some things, one word, that you could use to describe your mom? Joe? Nice. What's another one word? Good, okay. Love, they're loving. What about the boys? Why, what do you think? One word to describe mom. Nice, okay. That's very, very good. In Pastor Tim's prayer this morning, he mentioned things like compassion and forgiveness and love. Those are all traits that our moms or those who are raising us possess and they pass on to us. So those are things I want you to think about as you grow and think about um, as you continue to uh, prosper into adulthood. But here's another thing about uh, people in our lives I want to share with you today. You know, there are many people who have not had children that are not moms that have greatly affected our lives. People like um, Mary Rye. People like Gail. People like Pam Gardner, they didn't have children, but they are very much mother figures to us all. And then there's great mothers like Mary Dunham and Nina Hall and 
Susan and Sue Hobbs, and the list goes on and on and on. Your teachers are probably some of them great mothers. So as you grow up to be mothers and dads, just remember all the lessons that you're learning from your parents as you grow up. Okay, as you go up to Children's Church today, Miss Mary's going to get you all sugared up, okay, for, for mom, so you can keep up with her at lunchtime. <laughs> Let, let's have a prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these children, and we thank you for the mothers that represent these children and those that are raising them. May we learn from our moms and be compassionate, loving people like you are to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. and happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. I'm going to read the scripture from John 17, 20 through 26. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these that know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love in which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This is the word of the Lord.
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us here today on a special day of what we call Mother's Day to let us know that what it's all about by uh, what a mother really is to any of us of, of our lives. That is, the mother is the first woman on earth to hold us as for a newborn child. And as we bless ourselves, for what we're thankful for, of how we can be railraised by any many children in this world, is very amazed by the power and dignity of all what's upon us all. That we're very thankful to have you in your creation of how we are into that of all. And let us go forth in this day and all. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen.
Wow. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Thank you so much. What a, what a great blessing and treat that was. I, kind of here jiving still there. <laughs> okay. Now that uh, baseball season is in full swing, I, I, thought I, I thought you might enjoy a story that I read recently concerning former Cleveland Indians pitcher Bob Feller and uh, Minnesota Twins outfielder Denard Spann. It seems that these two players, even though they're from totally different eras, have something rather odd in common. You see, both of these men, during an actual baseball game, hit their mothers in the stands with a foul ball. <laughs> Feller hit his mom in 1939 and broke her collarbone, and Span hit his mother during a spring, game, a spring training game in 2010. And fortunately, both of the moms made full recoveries. Now, isn't that an interesting way to welcome you on Mother's Day? <laughs> no sentimental piety here for us. Just, just kidding, of course. We, we honor our mothers today, and monitor, uh, mothers make so many sacrifices, and we're very thankful for them. As someone has said, the hand that rocks the cradle is usually attached to someone who's not getting enough sleep. It's not easy being a mom. Even if your son doesn't hit you with a foul ball, you may be able to relate to uh, one mom who says that she was just having a rotten morning. It was an awful morning. She had three kids, and all of them had been sugared up. <laughs> all the moms, thank you for that, Greg. But these kids had been sugared up, and they were wired, and they were driving her crazy. And since counting to ten just wasn't cutting it, to release that pent-up frustration that she was feeling. She walked into her bedroom and closed the door. She walked into her bedroom closet and closed the door and then screamed as loud as she could. And it worked. Afterwards, she felt much better. And so ready to face the rest of the day, she opened the door and was greeted by three terrified faces. Mom! said her five-year-old daughter. I told you there was a monster in that closet. <laughs> I'll bet those youngsters stayed away from that closet for a long time. <laughs> Being a mom is not easy. However, I would say that uh, it is the most important job in the world it is our moms, along with the help from our dads, uh, to whom God has entrusted our care until we're able to make it on our own. So thank you, moms. Our lesson for today comes from the Gospel of John. The setting is still on Monday, Thursday, and after the symbolic washing of, the, of his disciples' feet, Jesus prays what has come to be known as his high priestly prayer. It's a long prayer. It's a lengthy prayer in which Jesus prays first for himself because he knows what he's about to face. He's about to face the cross. Then he prays for his disciples. And then finally, in the portion that we'll be talking about today, he prays for future believers. Listen to, to how this part of Jesus' prayer begins. He says, My prayer 
is not for them alone. Here he's referring to his disciples. My prayer is not for my disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. So Christ is praying for his disciples. And he's praying for for those who will be reached through the disciples' testimony. In that first generation of Christians, everyone who believed in Christ did so because of the testimony of the apostles, either directly or indirectly. And that chain of believers has continued down through history even unto today. And so Christ prays for all of us who believe because of the testimony of those first disciples. And that includes us. So that's the first insight that we find in our lesson for today. Jesus prays for us. What an incredible piece of information that is. Christ is praying for us. If we were to turn over to Romans 4, we would learn that Christ is still praying for us. Did you know that? Christ is still praying for us. We read in Romans 4, Therefore it is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Now, to me, that is incredible good news. When we bring our requests to God, God, uh, Christ is right alongside us, interceding in our behalf. <laughs> Pastor Melvin Newland tells a powerful Mother's Day story that comes out of World War II and the, the horrific Holocaust which took the lives of millions of people. It's the true story of Solomon Rosenberg and his family. You see, Solomon and his wife and their two children, their two sons, as well as Solomon's mother and family were all arrested and placed in a Nazi concentration camp. Now, this was a labor camp, and the rules were very simple. As long as you could do your work, you were permitted to live. But when you became too weak to do your work, you were exterminated. Solomon watched his mother and father as they marched off to their deaths. And he knew that next would be his youngest son, David, because David was always, had always been frail. Every evening, Rosenberg came back to the barracks after his hours of labor, and, and he would search the, for his family in the barracks. And when he found them, they would huddle together and embrace and, and thank God for another day of life. And then one day, Rosenberg came back and didn't see those familiar faces. He finally discovered his oldest son, Joshua, huddled in a corner, weeping and praying. And he said, Josh, tell me it's not true. And Joshua turned and, and said, it's true, Papa. Today, David was not strong enough to do his work, so they came for him. But where's your mother, Solomon asked. Oh, Papa, he said. When they came for David, he was afraid and he cried. And so Mama said, it's nothing to be afraid of, David. And she took his hand and went with him. It's a sad story. It's a story of a mother's love for her little boy. But now I want you to transfer that image 
to yourself in Christ. With Christ being the role, taking the role of the mother. Fearfully, we approach the throne of God. Why fearfully? Because we know that we don't measure up to God's standards. We are not all that God wants us to be. Indeed, we have no merit at all to petition God for God's love. But alongside us is one who has volunteered to stand with us, giving us comfort and confidence. And so Jesus assures us that we can come to God as any child can come to a loving parent. And we can pray not as outsiders, but as God's children, tenderly, honestly, confidently. In our, in our secret, whispered prayers, we are known so well that God, like a mother listening to her children, can finish our sentences. And so Christ prays for us and for all who believe on His name. That's the first insight that braces our hearts. Here's the second. In this passage, He makes a specific request for us, and that is that He prays for our unity. My friends, that's where we draw our strength. We are bound together with one another. And with him. Listen to these his words again here. He said, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Those are some important words there. That all of them may be one. Pastor David Jeremiah says that, the, that his church built a ministry which he called the, the triple cord prayer ministry. He said, take a piece of string and you can probably snap it with not much effort. But if you entwine that with two other cords, it will withstand all of your efforts to break it. Together we are greater than the sum of our parts. That is a godly principle. It's at the very center of how God works in the world. God works through people who are intertwined together. Alone, we are so limited. But together, we can forge movements that can change the history of the world. A pastor one evening was having dinner in a restaurant, and he just happened to sit next to a, a young couple. They struck up a conversation and began to talk about their religious experience. This couple was deeply committed. They loved the Lord very much, and, and they talked about their concern for Christian unity and how, how in Jesus Christ all of us has been made one. And then the woman reached into her purse and, and she took out a card. And she said that, that it was a portrait of Jesus that illustrated the meaning of Christian unity in a powerful way. Her card was very wrinkled and obviously she had had it for a long time. And as you looked at, at the picture at arm's length, you could see that it was just, 
it, it just looked like an ordinary picture of Jesus if you held it out here and looked at it like this. But if you pulled it up close and looked very closely, you began to notice that this portrait of Jesus was composed of many ordinary faces. The portrait itself was composed of all of these faces. Ordinary people, all kinds of people. There were young people and old people, black and brown and yellow and white and male and female. All kinds of human expression were right there in that painting. So in praying for us, Christ not only carried us in his heart before the Father, but he makes some very special requests. And the first of these is for our unity. The unity that Christ wants for his church is the same kind of unity that Christ has with his own Father. The real church is a, is a body of men and women and boys and girls who are united with one another because we are united with Christ. Listen again to his words. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent them, that you have sent me. This is the third insight to be gleaned from this passage. Our unity as the body of Christ is the primary testimony that we have to the truth of Christ. May they also be in us, Jesus prayed, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Did you hear that? May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You remember that little folk song that was real popular back in the 70s? Some of you weren't even around in the 70s, but it was, it's, it's kind of one of those things that has lingered on. And, and I, I hear it today and I think it, it just goes back to my youth there. And we're going to sing it in a little bit, but here's, here's how it went. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored. And then particularly the chorus. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. By our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. The content of that little song comes directly from this prayer. If you want to be a witness for Jesus, then the first thing that you need to do is to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. For you see, as a family, we are a family. We are a family. We are Christ's family. And, and we are in Him as He is in the Father. This reminds me of an inspiring movie. And if you haven't seen this movie, go rent it. It's a great movie. Uh, most of you have probably seen it. It's, came, it's from the 1990s. It's called Mr. Holland's Opus. It's about a, a, a musician and a composer. His name is Glenn Holland. 
He takes a job as a high school band director to pay the bills, so to speak, and uh, so that in his spare time he could work on his ultimate goal, which was to create his opus, his greatest piece of music. He wanted to, to create this symphony while he taught the band. However, he becomes so overwhelmed by his teaching job and the needs of his family, including an infant son who was deaf. He becomes so overwhelmed by all of this that he has very little time to work on his masterpiece. He works long hours and deals with difficult students. And in spite of his best efforts, he tries and tries and tries to to whip this band into shape. They're just not very good. (laughs) Nevertheless, despite his apparent lack of success, he comes to believe that this is where he's supposed to be. And as the years unfold, the the joy of sharing his passion for music with his students becomes his his new definition of success. And as the end, as the movie comes to an end, we find an older Mr. Holland fighting in vain to keep his job. You see, the school board has decided to to reduce their operating budget by by cutting the music and the drama programs from the high school. And so after 30 years, Mr. Holland is forced to retire. And as the movie winds down, Mr. Holland returns to his classroom to retrieve all of his belongings. It's a few days after the end of school. And Mr. Holland and his wife and his, their now grown son are cleaning out his desk and the last of his belongings when they hear something. They hear music coming from the auditorium. And so they went to investigate, and to his amazement, he discovers in the auditorium a capacity crowd of people, former students and colleagues, and a banner that reads, Goodbye, Mr. Holland. His students have planned this surprise assembly in his honor. And in that assembly, they actually play the opus, the symphony that he has never published the opus that had been, been his original passion but had been supplanted by the, the passion of, for his students. The surprise MC for this event was a former student. At the time when, uh, that she was a student, she was a discouraged clarinet player. Again, not very, not very good. But now she's the state's governor. And she says, Mr. Holland had a profound influence on my life, on a lot of lives I know. And yet I get the feeling that he considers a great part of his life misspent. Rumor had it that he was always working on this symphony of his. And this was going to make him famous and rich, probably both. But Mr. Holland isn't rich. And he isn't famous, at least not outside of our little town. So it might be easy for him to think of himself as a failure. But he'd be wrong. Because I think he's achieved a great success far beyond riches and fame. And then looking at her former teacher, the governor gestures with a sweeping hand and continues, Look around you, Mr. Holland. There is not a life in this room that you have not touched. And each one of us is a better person because of you.
We are your symphony, Mr. Holland. We are your melodies. We are the notes of your opus. And we are the music of your life. It's a beautiful film. And I know that the analogy is not perfect, but we need to know that we are Christ's symphony. We are. He gave his life for the express purpose of bringing into being this group of people. And on the night he was crucified, Christ prayed for us He prayed that we might be united as His body. Because this is where we draw our strength. Especially during times of need. And this is the best way of testifying to the truth that Jesus Christ is alive and at work in the world. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. By our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. Amen. We have come to that portion of our service where we will observe the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. Communion, it is called. What a great time to be celebrating communion. Does it sound like anything to you? Communion, unity, you know, it's, it's all in the mix here. And, I, and it's not by accident that it's called that. Because you see, communi- uh, communion is an expression of Christian unity. It's an expression of our coming together with a common cause, and that cause is Jesus Christ. It is coming together to to celebrate together and to be reminded together of what Christ has done for us. Because you see, Christ died to create His family. And we gather here each week and especially on these days when we celebrate communion as a type of family reunion. And you know what happens at family reunions? You remember. You remember. We remember our past. We remember our ancestors, those who came before us. We remember the progenitor of our family, Christ. And what he did for us so that we may be one and proclaim that he is God. May our fellowship be ever stronger as we bear witness to the love of Christ through communion. Deacons, would you come and prepare? As they are preparing to um, administer the Lord's Supper, 
I'll just explain a little bit of what we're doing. We'll begin at the back and come down the middle aisle. Uh, there will be someone standing on each side to, uh, uh, to give you the bread, a wafer, and then you can move to the side and dip the wafer into the cup and then eat the, the wafer that has been infused with, with the cup, uh, fruit of the cup. If you'd like to, uh, if you're not able to come down or, or prefer the uh, uh, traditional way of uh, doing communion, please just remain at your seat and uh, there will be a deacon who will bring you communion to your seat if you would like that as well. Um, He said, this is my body, which is given for you. And in the same way, also after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant that is shed for you. He said, as, as often as you take this bread and this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes. So let us do just that. Let us remember who Christ is and remember that he is the head of our family, the family of God. And we invite you now, as united Christians, everyone, invo- everyone invited, Christ turns no one away, everyone is invited to share in the communion service as we unite ourselves as one in Christ, Christ's family. Would you come?
God's Spirit is indeed a sweet spirit in this place. And it's because we are the family of Christ, joined together in sweet reunion, remembering what Christ has done for us and sharing that love with one another. I told you we're going to sing that song from the 1970s, We Are One in the Spirit. Some of you know it. I hope you do. If not, it's easy to catch on. Uh, so let's stand now and sing our closing hymn. They'll know we are Christians. May the Lord who brought us to birth by God's Spirit strengthen us for the Christian life. May the Lord who provides for all of our needs sustain us day by day. May the Lord whose steadfast love is constant as a mother's care send us out to live and to work for others. And the blessings of God Almighty be with you and remain with you always. Amen.